this is the Ezra Podcast. And we're finally here. The dust is finally going to settle. And that's the beautiful thing about fighting. It's a beautiful thing about the UFC, a beautiful thing about MMA, a beautiful thing about boxing is you will settle every theory you have, every um, any idea, the way you think something's going to play out, every prediction, it will settle. We will know the truth, and we're going to know the truth this Saturday about Fury Wilder. I think I know it. I think I came to the conclusion. I reviewed it. I thought I had it originally. I only reconfirmed what I thought and what I knew going into this as I studied for this fight, but there's a lot of speculation out there, a lot of excuses, a lot of ideas of, of crookedry or of reasons to the reason something had happened or why the result came and not that result not being true. And it's all going to be, we're all going to, nothing will be able to be said otherwise after this fight. And that's the beauty of it. Going into this fight, Fury to me is a tool. Now, he got to draw on the first one. I don't think that was right. I thought he won that fight. Scored it again. It's preparation for this fight. And I thought I had him winning again. Second fight, obviously, he's a clean sweep until he stops the fight. they stopped the fight. Things I, I took from the first fight was, I think that was the best way for Fury to fight to help Wilder's game was him going backwards. It allowed Wilder to, uh, Wilder to be able to build momentum going forward. And in the second fight, when he comes forward, Wilder does no longer has that. And he no longer is able to build momentum, what he needs, to come forward to land the big shots he needs. So I thought the first fight was actually Wilder's best chance of winning this type of matchup. I thought the second fight was genius game planning and realizing that, hey, you were landing good in the first fight. Because they were landing good in the first fight. The swelling was still there for Wilder in the first fight. But Fury was not as aggressive. He would at times, but then at times he would be cautious. He looked to box. He would just came with a game plan and a mentality more to be defensive and now box him for a decision. And when he got knocked down, it was because of that style. Because that style gave Fury, I mean, gave Wilder momentum. It gave him opportunities. Especially with Fury dipping his head when he went backwards and getting stuck. And when Wilder adjusted to that, he got his first knockdown. The second knockdown is he had a little hesitation. And punching at the right distance, caught uh, Fury going backwards, and then finished him up with the uppercut that looked like the end of the night. And it didn't. And I think that those knockdowns actually helped Fury. It gave him a little more confidence. And the thing about, uh, you know, the, some of the sparring I've done with some, you know, pretty good boxers, is that I've been hurt before. I've been rocked before. And when you get rocked, it actually gives you a little bit more confidence. It loosens you up. Because... All the jitters and everything you have going into the fight or before you get punched is you're not really sure what to expect, what's it going to feel like. And then when you get it and you're able to, you know, you feel it and you withstand it, then you're like, okay, we got through that. Let's get, let's get going. Let's get into a fight here. And I think that's what helped Fury going into the second fight. He said, well, I felt it. Let's go get it now. And they realized that when Fury did attack and when he did apply the pressure, it was effective and he was able to hit Wilder and Wilder wasn't really able to go. Now, Going so far, I don't didn't think Wilder had much of a chance. I don't exactly think that as well. As I broke it down, I see things that Wilder could do to make him more effective, to make this a more a closer fight, to make this sway in his favor. Now, I don't believe any of the cheat stuff, right? I don't believe any of that happened. I don't believe that he had his gloves lo- gloves loaded. I don't believe that he, Wilder was drugged. I don't believe um, any of those things. I don't believe it. Now, do I believe Wilder didn't feel good in the second fight? Well, it was the heaviest he's ever came in a fight. I think that maybe could have effect of it. Also, he was hit early and often in that fight. 
I think that could have had an effect in it. Now, what could he do to change the second fight? To be more effective than in the first fight? Well, I think he needs to find a way to get the momentum back going forward. And he needs to find a way to get Fury off the tracks. Push him off the tracks. Don't let him come forward. Don't let him set the, the, the tone of the fight. I think that, which the fight's been controlled by Fury through feints and jabs. And Wilder's been eating feints and jabs since they first started fighting, in the second fight especially. Wilder needs to add his own feints. And I know that Malik Scott, I've heard him bring it up about feints. He needs to bring in, he's just to bring in some sexy feints. He's going to bring in some feints on this. He needs to, because he needs to have Fury thinking as well. He can't just be, when he punches, he punches. That is a, a limited way of fighting, and Fury is too advanced for that to be. He needs to have feints. He needs to continue jabbing in the body to get Fury going backwards. Because every time he goes to the body with a jab or a straight right, it makes Fury take a step backwards, a killing momentum. Once Fury goes backwards to duck the right hand, he all the way slips, but he leans over. It's a big mistake. He's slick, he gets away with it, but Wilder is athletic enough, good enough on his legs to adjust when he does it. Throw the right hand. Don't put everything on it to lose yourself, right? Not all the time. Don't put everything on your elbow to lose yourself. Throw it to set up the uppercut, your left uppercut, which landed and was effective and dropped uh, Fury in the first fight. Be more balanced. Don't let one shot throw you off balance. Throw a punch, being able to miss to follow up with two or three. This is going to be a fight of momentum. Who's coming forward? Who is allowed to build the energy going forward? I imagine Fury's going to come in with the same strategy as the second fight. He's going to come forward. He's going to look to be big. He's going to look to be powerful. He's going to look to land shots and get Wilder off balance on his legs. I think Fury thinks that Wilder is going to come in a lot harder in this fight and a lot faster pace. That's the way I see this fight playing out as well. And I think Fury's going to have get back straight to business. I don't think a lot of change is going to be in Fury's camp. I don't think so. I think so. Look, it's a lot uh, very similar to the second fight. Maybe just a little more aggressive. Maybe a little more confident. How do I see the fight playing out? I think Wilder's going to come out very fast. And I think Wilder has worked on things. I think that the new camp, new, new strategy and all that, that's all good and fine. I think a lot of it's going to fall on the wayside. I think Wilder's going to come out very fast. I think he's going to not look to allow Fury to set the tempo and pace. And he's going to look to explode and hopefully land early on Fury to change the fight early, the dynamic of the fight early. I think Fury's going to come forward. I think there's going to be a lot of points where they meet and hold. And it's going to be a battle of strength in that position. Who's working in that position? And I think Fury's not going to waste a lot of energy. Well, I think Wilder will waste more energy. Because he's going to look to be more explosive. I think that might win Wilder maybe a few early rounds. I think they might split the first few early rounds. I think it might be a fun competitive fight at that point. But I imagine the rate and the speed that it's working at, especially with Wilder with more size, which he's adding, and more muscle in this fight, will tire out. And I believe Wilder's uh, Fury's pressure will once again be applied, be effective, and Wilder will begin to take steps back. And as soon as that happens, where Wilder accepts taking steps back and no longer can hold position, this fight will be over. I'm not saying he gets knocked out. I'm saying he will have no chance of winning going forward. Because I picture this fight going a decision. I think 
Wilder corners in a really awkward spot where they cannot stop this fight. Now, I don't think that they're thinking that they have to stop this fight right now. I think they're pretty confident that they can win this fight. But they are in a really bad spot where they can't stop this fight because the last coach was fired because he did that and accused of cheating and accused of being bought out. So they're in a really awkward spot in this fight where they cannot stop the fight. So I think Wilder's going to, if he takes a beating, he's going to take a beating the full 12 rounds. And I think Fury is going to find his pace, apply the pressure, and be comfortable with Pushing Wilder back, landing big shots, and Wilder just kind of surviving late. I expect it to be good early, but I expect Wilder to. It's hard to change. Wilder is about 36, 37 years old. It's hard to change your style. It's hard to change your mentality. It's hard to add new techniques at this point and to keep them in the fight. Because you could do it in the pads, you could do it in the bag, but when you're in a fight and everything's survival, Right, everything is kill or be killed. A lot of that stuff falls to the wayside. It takes years. That's why the guys, the best guys, take years to be able to put that in and apply that in a fight that's explosive and competitive and means so much. Right, and you find a guy at that level, it's not going to be so easy to apply all those things. Another thing I noticed is that Wilder, which was complaining about the back of the headshots, well, the back of the headshots were caused because Wilder turns his head. Now I noticed in the first Fury fight. I noticed that in the second Fury fight, which he was dropped, in the first Fury fight, he was hurt in the first round from it. Uh, I was uh, heard someone else talk about uh, Luis Ortiz did the same thing to him. He turns his head, which allows him to get hit in the back of the head. That's not an illegal shot because he's doing a move that he shouldn't be doing in the ring. That needs to change. But all these bad habits and everything come, especially when pressure is applied. When pressure is applied, it brings out everything. It brings out uh, what's, under, what's hidden in darkness comes to light. That's what pressure does. It puts a spotlight on what's in the darkness. I think Fury is going to get to a point in this fight where he's comfortable again and he's flowing. And there's not going to be much Wilder can do at this point, especially because the energy it's going to take for him to stay competitive in the first few fights to gain that position. The positioning in the ring is the key part of this fight. It's who's going to control the tide. A lot of interesting storylines going into this fight. A lot of interesting storylines fight week. A lot of interesting storylines fight night that are, you know, outside two guys punching each other. Fury's wraps being checked. Fury's gloves being checked. Fury uh, Wilder's walkout outfit. And post-fight. If Wilder loses again, what does he say post-fight? Fury's gloves getting checked. Is there going to be any problem? Is there going to be any problem with his wraps? They are going to check. I The one thing to pay attention to, they will check the gloves again once again in the ring. They will be aware of those gloves once again in the ring again. And don't, don't be surprised if there's an issue that Wilder's camp has with some of the gloves. They want to look at the gloves again. They want to feel the gloves again. They want to make sure that everything's good, as they should. This is the correct thing. All eyes will be on Fury that night. Pre-fight. All eyes will be on Wilder that night. Post-fight. If he loses. Now, if Wilder goes in there and puts a beating to Fury, and Fury's power is not the same. And let's say Wilder does it going backwards. Wilder walks going backwards and puts a beating to Fury. And Fury lands shots, but they have no effect. That speculation is only going to get louder. 
Actually, it would be treated as if it was confirmed. And I admit, I told people, if, if I told Artman, and if you don't know who Artman is, you're not unboxing Twitter. But I, t- I said, if Fury goes in their land shots and they don't look as powerful, right? He's not doing the same damage, but it's the same fight. Then you have the call in question of all that. It's not going to happen. It's not, it's not what I expect to happen. Okay, I don't think he cheated. I don't. I think that's a lot of, a lot of what ifs, a lot of wild theories. I'm not conspiracy theorists. This is a lot of conspiracy theories, and I think the people that are level-headed Wilder fans don't truly believe this as well. But I do they believe that he had an off night that night, and that things are going to change. I haven't seen enough to see that. I do see things that he could do, but I don't know if he's skilled enough to do it. Especially against Fury, who I think is the best heavyweight in the world. It's, it's one of those nights. It's one of those nights where, you know, it really feels like anything can happen. I heard Bill Simmons say this is the ultimate stay away fight for a bet. I don't see that. I see if you get good odds for Fury, you should take them. I think that Fury has showed us, you know, other than all these things that are outside, right? You just got to think of the fight. You have two fights, two full fights that show you how this fight's going to play out. And to go against those two things we have, right, of whole evidence of, of what we see, right, to go against that and say, nope, that's not real. I can't do that. I think that it's all there for you to see. And I think that the fight is being sold as in Fury's not training. He's not taking this fight serious. And Wilder is a new man. Right? This is an easy way to sell this fight, especially to casuals. Because why would you watch it? If you're not a casual, you don't follow the ins and outs of boxing. You don't know about the Wilder gloves. I mean, the Fury gloves. You don't know about all that. What would make you buy this fight? Well, there's the thing. Fury isn't training. Wilder's a new man taking the series and uh, coming for the kill. It's an easy sell. It's the same uh, strategy Floyd Mayweather used when he fought Connor. Same selling points. But I can't get past the evidence that we saw. We have the evidence. It's right there. And I think it's going to be a rinse and repeat of the second fight. Yet again, with a a more lively Wilder in the first round. First few rounds. First four or five rounds, I expect. Some good action. In the co-main event, we have F.A. Ajabe versus Frank Sanchez. Now, F.A. Jabe, to me, and I took some criticism on this on Twitter, I, I don't think he's the most exciting fighter. Now, I think that he can, he's definitely can knock someone out cold, but I don't believe that if he doesn't get the knockout, well, then he knocks out the audience because he's usually pretty boring, and it's because he's not the most dynamic fighter. He's kind of a one-two type fighter. He go head body head, but he's stiff. He's a little bit slow footed. He's not don't really have an inside game. And you have his opponent Frank Sanchez, who to me, similar problem kind of stays in first gear. And he definitely has a little more weapons, a little more, you know, definitely more athletic with his feet. Definitely better counter puncher. Um, doesn't have you know 
devastating knockout power and just kind of stays in first gear, similar to F.A. Jogbe. Only thing F.A. Jogbe has is lights out power. And what these two guys, you know, what would make them interesting is make them fight each other. Make them fight higher level competition. And that's them, these two will first each other, eliminate one. And that's what this fight is. And I think that that's an exciting idea. But I don't think, you know, people are saying, I can't wait for these guys to get in the ring. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to make a good fight. Now, I know F.A. Jobby is going to want to fight on the outside. And Frank is just going to want to fight on the inside. It's a battle of territory again. Battle of uh, location, right? Property location. I think that uh, Frank Sanchez, who is definitely a way better counterpuncher than F.A. Jogbe, and definitely faster and better with his feet, should be looking to do that all day against a Jogbe. And a Jogbe is got to go in there and look to fight at his pace, which is the only pace he can fight at, right? So it has to be at his pace. And use the distance. And not get in a fight where they are on the inside and Frank Sanchez is going to be able to work faster, cleaner punches on the inside. He needs to keep the distance. And Frank Sanchez can't get stuck on the outside. Where a jog bay has all his power. And a jog bay is at his most comfortable. And you're at a point where if it's punch for punch, he's gonna, his are going to mean more. And they're going to get there because his arms are longer. Frank Sanchez needs to be able to get on the inside. He needs to be able to rev it up another gear. He can't, but can't, if they're both in first gear, I think Ajabe wins the fight. Frank Sanchez is going to have to take it to one more notch to show that he can go another notch, another speed, another pace. And when he has a chance to counter Ajabe on the outside, do it. Get to the inside and work. Don't hold on the inside. Get to work. Because I don't think your power is going to really affect the Ajabe. I think your work rate will have to. Your skills will have to. We're going to see what Frank Sanchez is. If he's, you know, the higher skill guy that just needed the correct opponent, he needed the correct guy to fight, or is he what I think he is? Is he just a first level guy with first gear, first level gear guy with some skills in the amateurs that doesn't really ever quite make it out that prospect range, right? The heavyweight prospect range. And a jog bay where did he max out? You know, he's twenty seven years old. This guy, the Frank's actually twenty nine. A jog bay, you know, twenty seven for heavyweight. You know, who's kind of his style, they kind of could start turning. It's not too late. He's still really young, really, for heavyweight, especially for his size and his power. He could still, you know, show some new things. So that's what we're going to see. What, what is we getting the same with Jogbe? Is the new team, the new uh, promotions putting him in the right direction? Is this going to take him to that next step? Is he finally going to start showing things that he could be a world championship level? Because I haven't seen it yet. And are we going to get an exciting fight? The way I see the fight playing out is that Jogbe. And Frank Sanchez stay in gear one, and Ajabi is able to keep him on the other side. And that's the part, the point of the fight where the most clear, clearly big shots will land. And Frank Sanchez will have his moments on the inside, but I think a lot of holding, ugly fight on the inside. And I just think the outside, slow-paced fight, Ajabi wins. And Frank Sanchez just gets held back by the power. Like I said, Frank, if he wants to win this fight, he needs to be able to counter on the outside. Because Ajabi is slow. And he falls in, and those shots are sometimes... Leave too much meat in the bone. And Frank Sanchez got to eat at that moment. And on the inside, he can't be holding. And if a job he's holding, he's got to work. He's got to make it look like he's an active fighter in this fight. Because those big shots are going to really stick out to the crowd. Especially a crowd that's seeing basically a all heavyweight card. They're going to be hungry for knockouts. They're going to be hungry for action. He needs to look the next level 
of Frank Sanchez. The one just get him out of get him to the next gear. Take him to that second gear, and we're gonna see what Eddie, Eddie Reynoso can do with him. The next fight in the card, and this is an all heavyweight card. We have Adam Konowski versus Robert Helenis. And this is a rematch. This is number two. In a fight that Konowski was winning, and he was doing the, the fight was going the way he wanted to go. It was going the direction. He had doing everything to put himself in the right place to win the fight. And Robert Helenis was able to keep his composure and take advantage of an opportunity that Konowski gave him to get the stoppage and knock out Konowski and be the first, add the first L to Konowski's record. Now, the key part of that is that Konowski was winning and Konowski gave him the opportunity. Because that is what happened. Robert Lennis didn't do much in that fight to put himself in position to win. He was kind of always reacting. He's kind of surviving. He was kind of not really applying his game to me in that fight. Now, he survived. He survived big shots. He survived numerous shots, which Konowski's game is. Konowski's game is going to be uh, a lot of valiant punching, a lot of him walking through shots, a lot of him just working on the inside. If he has a hand free, he's going to work. He's going to push you back. And Helenius' game is to fight at a distance. He needs to catch you at the end of the whip. And he has long arms. He's tall. And Kanasi's not a small guy, but Helenius, like towers over him. But Elenius doesn't have the legs, really, necessary to keep the distance from Kanowski, which would give Kanowski a lot of problems if he did. If he could keep the distance and punch it from that range, it would be a lot of problems. But Kanowski doesn't have that, those legs. He loses them often when he goes backwards. And he pulls straight back, where he loses his head from being... Uh, his head loses his hips. As in, his head moves back, and his hips stay where they're at. It means off-balance. It means he gets hit, he'll get hurt. Doesn't have a... Doesn't have any guard really at all. Has a very terrible defense, but Kanowski's really no better. But the only thing is Kanowski's going forward. He's applying his game. And in the last fight, Helenius is just reacting. And Kanowski was making this, the, the same mistake over and over again. Was fighting from the wrong range. Punching too early, which was allowing um, Helenius to you know, respond. Was allowing him to have 50-50 chances with him. right? Where they're both exchanging punches. I don't think Kanowski needs to do that. He needs to gain the low. In, in jiu-jitsu, right, you get um, position before submission. So what that means is if I have a, you know, I go for an arm bar, but I don't have any position. I just shoot for it. And it's like, okay, well, you shot for it, but you don't have any position. There's no way you're going to grab it. Then you're just going to lose everything. And now you're putting yourself in a, a, a disadvantaged opportunity, right? A dis disadvantaged position for the other guy. Well, that's what uh, Kanowski was doing with his right hand. And it's one, two, is he was punching from too far away. And it, lead, it led to him having to fall in, but from too far away, where Helenius was able to basically have a 50 50 chance with them, where they both traded two big shots. And when Helenius finally caught him, it hurt him, it was over. He was never going to recover. Now, the big question going into this fight is a guy like Kanowski, where his game is that he can eat punches, right? He's going to eat a lot of damage. Sometimes that, the lever just breaks, the uh, levy breaks, and he no longer can eat punches like that. And that's what's going to be a very big determining fight factor in this fight is can he eat the punches anymore or was that the levy breaking that we saw but Kanowski is going to have to make sure that he goes in the right position when he attacks get closer don't punch from so far away you don't have that advantage 
Let your legs apply the pressure. Can Kanowski also add any defense? And can Helenius add any leg movement in this fight? Any angles to buy him a little space, a little, you know, a little timing, a little room to not get so much damage done from Kanowski. I think the jab's been very important for Robert Helenius, especially a body jab to body jab to the head, just keeping Kanowski at bay, keeping them in range for your big shots. I see the fight playing out similar to the first one, but with Kanowski being more respectful of Helenius's power and more respectful of his power may lead to less effectiveness in his offense, but it might lead to an easier win, which is weird to say, right? It's less effective offense for Kanowski would lead to an easier win, but it would because it's giving Helenius less opportunity. Now, my counter for Helenius, what he needs to do is just jab. He needs to keep distance. He needs to find something in his legs where he can keep the distance. And on the inside, he needs to hold and be able to reset. And when they reset, he needs to get to work. The distance is key that he takes advantage of every point where he has that distance. And make Kanowski, and when Kanowski does, if he does punch from the wrong distance, from the wrong position, make him pay for it. I pick Kanowski to win this fight. I think he's going to get it back. And I think he's an interesting opponent for Andy Ruiz, interesting opponent for Wilder in the future. For Luis Ortiz, there's plenty of good heavyweights for him to fight. And if this is an entertaining fight, then they can go him and Hellenius again. On the undercard, you also have Big Baby Anderson. You have uh, J-Rock. Yeah, Berlanga. I mean, this is a stack card for what should be a stack card for a, a, a great main event. And like I said, all answers will be revealed. And these are the kind of fights I like. Where everyone has a, lot, uh, a theory. Everyone has an idea of what's going to play out. And it seems like everyone's picked a side. And I want to see it. I want to see the truth be revealed. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.